Anand Zaki is with us now to update us on the latest business news. Anand, what's the Commerce Commission saying about our fuel retailers? Kia ora, Charlie. Well, it's saying it'll do what it can to encourage more competitive fuel pricing, but it's ultimately up to consumers to shop around for better prices. The Commerce Commission's chair, John Small, says some of the pricing levels and variations between some towns and cities are concerning, with no clear underlying factors to explain the differences. He says all the major fuel retailers are being asked to explain some concerning price variations, but a lack of competition tends to be the main reason. We certainly do know that when some of these challenger brands, and my Tom was one of them, go into a location that forces other prices down. Often, though, that's only really quite proximate to that station. So, you know, we do also see inside a city a lot of variation in prices in different suburbs. So that may well be related to competition as well. Um, But certainly, I would absolutely agree that when challenger brands arrive, uh, consumers benefit. That's the Commerce Commission Chair, John Small. Meanwhile, family-owned fuel retailer Waitomo says there are plenty of reasons why there are petrol price differences between towns and cities, but it mostly comes down to competition. Its managing director, Jimmy Ormsby, says prices tend to come down in markets where it competes against the bigger players. Historically, when I look back and say, well, big variations are normally explained through lack of competition. So when Waitomo entered the Wellington market, you know, we shook that up and prices dropped by 20 to 30 cents. But, you know, there's markets that Waitomo's not operating in where I think some competition would make prices more competitive. And in a written statement a short time ago, Mobile said the level of competition in particular areas was one reason prices would vary within a short distance. It says it aims for the most competitive pricing, but it's a balancing act between the immediate market effects and influences and the longer-term outlook for business and the industry. Mobile says the New Zealand fuel market is competitive, with a wide range of retailers from big companies to supermarkets and independent retailers. New Zealand's win in the dairy trade dispute with Canada gives exporters confidence international trading rules will be applied in the future, according to Export NZ. An independent panel has ruled in New Zealand's favour that dairy quotas available to exporters under the CPTPP free trade deal were improperly used to protect Canada's powerful domestic industry. Export NZ Executive Director Joshua Tan says it's a significant win for free trade which shouldn't harm our relationship with Canada. The CPTPP agreement, this is one where there are countries, there are economies that are lining up uh, to join. So that gives our exporters the trust that, that these functions can work properly and that there is a system that does work. Canada's still um, a really good friend of, of New Zealand's, obviously. Uh, we've got lots of history, lots of similarities between our two countries. So this is one where I think that we can, we can certainly sort out between friends. And the dispute was the first for the five-year-old CPTPP deal and New Zealand's first under any free trade agreement. And a new report shows the dairy sector earning about $26 billion in exports in the year to April, but struggles with significant trade barriers, costs and infrastructure challenges. 
A report done for Dairy NZ and the Dairy Companies Association shows nearly 87% of global dairy produce is subject to tariffs of 10% or more, costing dairy exporters more than $1.5 billion and nearly $8 billion in non-tariff costs over the past year. Association Executive Director Kimberly Cruther says the government needs to keep opposing trade barriers for dairy, particularly barriers in some free trade markets. There are many markets where we simply don't trade certain products because the tariffs remain too high. And on top of that, there's an eye-watering $7.8 billion in estimated non-tariff measures. Kimberly Cruther says the dairy industry's productivity and earning potential would also be helped by improved transport links, despite the cost of short-term disruptions. Well, China's beleaguered property market is in the spotlight again, with the major developer Country Garden due to make repayments on two bonds today. The company avoided default on the other repayments last weekend when creditors agreed to payments in instalments over the next three years. Country Garden, like another major player, Evergrande, are symbols of China's debt-laden property market with unfinished and unsold developments, buyers waiting for houses, skipping payments and rising risks of debt defaults. The head of economics at Moody's Analytics, Stephen Cochran, says the property sector is hurting the Chinese economy and developments need to be finished to, de- to generate cash. But it's hard to see it improving much further from here. OK, possible possibility of interest rates falling over a one or two year horizon, but that would probably kickstart some house price growth. So those things could offset each other too. So certainly some challenges here still for housing affordability and, and ultimately we just need to keep building to keep up with population growth and that will be what sort of keeps housing affordability under some kind of control over the longer term. And I apologise, I think we have the wrong tape there. In recent weeks, uh, Chinese authorities have rolled out a number of measures, including lowering of existing mortgage rates and preferential loans for first-time purchases in big cities. Well, time now for an update from the financial markets, and we're joined by Vanessa Otang of Jardin Securities. Good afternoon, Vanessa. How's the local share market looking today? Well, the index grows 50. We were in positive territory, but we're now flat, 11,439 points. So we're up three points currently. Uh, the notable movers today are Channel Infrastructure, $1.58, up 3.3%. Uh, Sanford, $3.99, up 2.6%. Vulcan Steel, $8.90, up 2.3%. And Infratil, uh, $10.30, up 1.4%. Conversely, at the other end, we've got KMD Brands. They're at $0.80, cents, down 2.4%. Pacific Edge at $0.10, cents, down 2%. And Meridian Energy, $5.24, down 1.9% today. And how's Australia looking after uh, yesterday's uh, interest rate decision, keeping the rate on hold? Mm-hmm. Yep, 4.1%. Yes, uh, it's uh, had a muted start. Um, so the ASX 200 is at 7,297 points. So down 17 points, which equates to 0.2%. Um, looking at the sectors there, it's really just the energy sector and the financial sector that are in positive territory today. And how's the dollar looking? 
Uh, well, the New Zealand dollar against the US is at uh, 0.5879. Against the Australian, 0.9210. Against the British pound, 0.4678. Against the euro, 0.5484. Against the Japanese yen, 86.76. And the Chinese yuan, 4.29. So only stronger again the, against the US dollar, I mean, Australian dollar today. And that leaves us with interest rates, oil and gold. Sure. The three-month bank bill rate is at 5.69%. And the 10-year government bonds are at 5.04%. Looking at the oil, we've got the Brent crude at 92.67 US a barrel and the spot gold is at 1,926 US dollars an ounce. Thank you, Vanessa. That's Vanessa Otang of Jardin Securities. And just enough time to tell you that new vehicle registrations fell by a third in the year ended August as the market continues to ease following a record month in June. The Motor Industry Association says the result is also 29% lower than the monthly average for 2022. We'll bring you a wrap of the day's news and numbers around half past five in Cheek Point. But for now, Charlie, that's business. Kia ora.